Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And if you're a fan of Canadian History X, make sure you check out my other shows, From John to Justin and Canada, A Yearly Journey. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. It helps keep this show going. All right, on with the show. A listener's note. The following episode contains coarse language, adult themes, and content of a violent and disturbing nature, and may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. He's been hired by the national broadcaster to bring Canadian updates on what was happening overseas. The Second World War was raging in Europe and many tuned in to listen for loved ones' names as the announcer read out the list of soldiers killed in battle that day. As he sat down behind the microphone in the radio booth, he looked back at the winding road that brought him here from a drama instructor at a summer camp to chemical engineering and eventually broadcasting, where his deep and booing voice made him a natural. CBC hired him to be their principal radio newscaster, and he quickly became known as the Voice of Canada. Only now, Canadians called him the Voice of Doom. This man went on to have many more names, and eventually even became America's dad. And how that happened is a story worth telling. I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X. For generations of children and adults, he was Ben Cartwright, the patriarch of the highly popular TV show Bonanza. But the story of Lauren Green begins in Canada's capital, Ottawa. On February 12, 1915, Lion Hyman Green, and that's Green without the last E, was born as the First World War raged on and across Canada men were going off to war, never knowing if they would return. Green was born into a family of Jewish immigrants from the Russian Empire. His father Daniel was a shoemaker, while his mother Dora was a homemaker, who often called Lorne Chaim. Chaim is a name of Hebrew origin, meaning life, which has been around since medieval times and can take on different variations like Hyman. And that can be seen on Lorne's early report card as he was listed as Hyman in school. But somewhere along his journey, Lion Hyman Green without an E became Lauren Green with an E, which is what he was known as for the rest of his life. Three years after Lauren's birth in 1918, the family was hit by tragedy when his older brother died of the Spanish flu. To continue the story, we have to skip forward a decade as well, when a rather innocent incident put Lauren on the path towards fame. Lauren was 13 and hadn't studied for a test, so he skipped school, thinking his father would be at work, he headed home early. When he arrived, he found his father was at home, and when he asked why he wasn't at school, Lauren lied and said he was home to get an umbrella. Lauren's father then drove him back to school, and that's when the father discovered the size of Lauren's deception. In speaking with the principal, he found out that Lauren had faked sick notes from his mother and became so upset that Lauren vowed to never disappoint him again. He said years later, 
All I remember is my father's eyes saying to me, what kind of delinquent have I brought into this world? From that moment on, I became a reformed character. He never mentioned that incident again, and he didn't tell my mother because he knew it would hurt her. To stay out of trouble, Lauren turned to acting. As a teenager, Lauren was a drama instructor at a summer camp in Algonquin Park called Camp Erewhon. His family had hoped he would become a concert violinist, but Lauren had other ideas. They supported him, even though the family hit hard times in 1929 when his father lost his business, then things got even tougher when his life savings evaporated in the stock market crash. Regardless, they scrimped and saved through the Great Depression so Lauren could attend Queen's University in 1932 with his sights on a chemical engineering degree. And it was at school that Lauren continued to hone his skills as an actor, but soon discovered he had an innate ability for radio. He attended a radio workshop put on by the Drama Guild at the campus radio station CFRC, and that's when he switched his major to languages so he could have more time to act and be on the radio, and he graduated in 1937. Before he did though, he was spotted by a talent scout while performing in a play at school, and he was off to New York to perform with the neighborhood playhouse. There he stayed for two years and trained to get rid of his Ottawa Valley accent and learned to speak phonetically, a skill that served him well in radio. In 1938, he married Rita Hands of Toronto. Together they had two children, twins, Charles and Belinda Susan. One year later, he took a job as a radio broadcaster with the CBC. In the last two days, the Russian Air Force has destroyed more than 400 Axis planes. 350 of these were destroyed yesterday, when Russian planes made large-scale attacks on German airdromes. 24 Russian planes were lost. Moscow doesn't say whether the German airdromes are in the Caucasus, where most of the fighting is going on, but today the Red Air Force shot down 77 German planes in the Caucasus, where the Red Army is crushing all German resistance on the ground. Today, a coordinated artillery and air bombardment drove the Germans from another series of positions. Nine Axis counterattacks were smashed, and the Russians captured three important hilltops. During the Second World War, Lorne went from the voice of Canada to the voice of doom, and also a broadcasting innovator. When he was in the booth, he needed to know when to stop talking. And they say timing is everything, and that's especially true in broadcasting. Before Lorne, there was no real way to let announcers know when they had to go to commercial or segments. So he invented a stopwatch that ran backwards, and he patented it. It became the standard, not just in radio, but also television. And to this day, broadcasters everywhere use a version of it. For Lorne, the invention became a nest egg, which he could dip into during his lean financial years as an actor. And his voice also gave him a leg up on others. It was so unique, very deep, and resonated with many which is how he began to narrate films for the National Film Board, including Churchill's Island in 1941, which won the first Academy Award for Best Documentary. But this was an issue for the CBC, who ordered its staff announcers to turn over a large percentage of their income from side gigs to the network. Green chose to become a freelancer. But he still did work for the CBC, while also working as a newscaster at CKEY in Toronto to supplement the acting he was doing on radio and on stage. In 1942, he was asked by the CBC to record 25 interviews with movie stars for the Victory Loan program. One of those interviews was with legendary singer Bing Crosby, which changed Lauren's life. 
After listening back to the recording, Lauren discovered he was imitating Bing Crosby's voice without knowing it. He said in 1961, We did the entire interview over because Crosby had taught me, from that one experience, always to be myself, to emphasize my own identification, my own personality. To get ahead in the entertainment field, you must be yourself, not someone else. I've hung on to Lauren Green ever since. Soon after, he enlisted with the Royal Canadian Ordnance Corps and served for two years as a soldier who had a habit of shining the buttons on his uniform, which caused some confusion. He said, Every time I met an American soldier on the street, he saluted me. It turns out, among American soldiers, the lower ranks don't polish their buttons, as that is typically done among officers, given the impression that Lauren was an officer instead of a private. After his time as a soldier, he returned back home to Canada to continue his radio career and created an acting and broadcasting school, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So to pursue his dreams, he freelanced in radio and acted on stage all while founding the Jupiter Theatre in Toronto, where a young William Shatner would get a start. In 1952, Lorne made the decision to leave Canada and move to the United States to pursue acting. He mostly had theatre experience, but a new medium called to him. He said, In my time, you had to go to the States to make it. There was no substitute for a box office name, and television offered the quickest road to instant fame. He quickly began to pick up TV roles as a guest star on various early programs. In 1954, he made his Hollywood debut when he appeared as St. Peter in The Silver Chalice, a biblical movie that was also the feature film debut of Paul Newman. He continued to work in various television shows and appeared on stage at the Stratford Festival as Marcus Brutus and Julius Caesar in 1955 alongside William Shatner. Then later that year, Lauren landed the role that made him famous. Ben Cartwright on Bonanza. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Originally, he was offered the role of either Ben Cartwright or the eldest son, Adam Cartwright. Lauren didn't know which to choose, so he went to his friend, Leslie Nielsen, for advice. Nielsen said, there is no way for you to emerge without a tremendous position of significance in the show. Probably all four of you will achieve equal prominence, but of the four of you, the only one who can achieve the most prominence is yourself, because you're the father, and they're all three tied to you. I wouldn't give it a second thought. With that, Lauren chose the role of Ben and landed in living rooms everywhere when Bonanza debuted on NBC on September 13, 1959. The show followed the story of the Cartwright family who lived near Virginia City, Nevada, on their ranch called the Ponderosa. The show was unique for its time as it explored Ben and his relationships with his three sons and less with ranch life. Ben had been married three times and widowed three times, and each of his sons was from a different mother. Pernell Roberts played his son, Adam Cartwright, who was an architect, while the kind-hearted middle son, Eric Haas Cartwright, was played by Dan Blocker. If you've ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Dan Blocker is the father of Dennis Blocker, the actor who plays Detective Hitchcock on the show. 
The third and youngest Cartwright's son was Little Joe, played by Michael Landon. Storylines often ranged from high drama to broad comedy, but the show also dealt with issues such as domestic violence, substance abuse, anti-war sentiment, and bigotry towards Asians, African Americans, Indigenous people, little people, and the disabled. It was surprisingly progressive and ahead of its time. And Ben was beloved by viewers immediately. In 2007, TV Guide listed Ben Cartwright as the second greatest television dad in history, behind only Cliff Huxtable from The Cosby Show. But when it first premiered, Bonanza's future was not guaranteed. The show was very expensive to produce, and NBC almost cancelled it after its first season. But due to its popularity, they kept it on the air, and it went on to become the first series filmed and broadcast in colour. The show was also popular with the critics and was nominated for 12 Emmys, winning three during its run. And at its height, it was seen by 400 million people in 80 countries around the world. For nine years, it was one of the top five television shows in the United States until 1971, when it finally fell out of the top 10. And then a move that surprised almost everyone on Monday, November 6, 1972, NBC officially cancelled Bonanza. As an actor, Lauren never subscribed to method acting. He told McLean's, The only way I can work as an actor is by being me. I don't try and change me. I don't try to become Ben Cartwright. I happen to be Lauren Green. I am not anybody else. I can only react to any circumstance as myself. I don't even have a Western accent. I change stuff in the script in order to make it more like me. Although he did add that Ben was inspired partly by his father. He said, I don't know whether I could ever match my father as a person, but as an actor, I try to be like him. Here's Lauren Green speaking with CBC during a drive to the set in Los Angeles in 1960. I've noticed at the studio that you have no opportunity to rehearse any scenes until you're in front of the camera. Uh, that is right. There's no, there's no way of blocking it. Uh, we can rehearse it in terms of going over the words, uh, sitting around at a conference table, sitting around in our chairs, and running over the scene but there's no real way of rehearsing it or blocking it until we get in front of the camera because there just isn't time there's time to run over the words and that's all regardless of lauren's approach to portraying ben there was one thing that he tried to keep secret a secret at least from the public because everyone on set knew it and it was because of something that happened on set during a pretty simple but hair-raising stunt during the filming of one episode, Lauren had to jump from a ledge hanging over a pond with about five feet of water. On cue, Lauren leapt over the edge, feet first into the pool, completely disappearing under the water. But before he could resurface, a small tuft of hair floated to the surface. Lauren's hand shot up and grabbed the hairpiece and pulled it down. A moment later, he emerged from the water tank, wearing it slightly askew. According to castmate Michael Landon, Lauren walked past the crew, all trying to hide their laughter, and straight into his trailer. Although slightly embarrassing for Lauren, he was in good company amongst the follically challenged cast because Michael Landon was the only Cartwright who did not wear a hairpiece. Pernell Roberts and Dan Blocker wore them too. His follicles, his marriage, and being older didn't stop Lauren from being a bit of a sex symbol. He received so much fan mail from women, about a thousand letters per week, that producers of the show had to expand his role and give him more romantic plot lines. Bonanza was an amazing opportunity, and Lauren was always thankful. He said, 
Thanks to Bonanza, I've been very fortunate. I've accomplished my goal. My name now is known from coast to coast in the United States and Canada, and in 12 foreign countries. An actor couldn't ask for anything more. But it wasn't all roses for the actor. He also lived through some thorns during his time. His marriage collapsed, and Lorne and Rita divorced in 1960. One year later, 1961, he married Nancy Deal, with whom he had a daughter named Jillian. She's married to Sam Raimi, best known as the director of Spider-Man and the Evil Dead trilogies. Lorne was able to capitalize on his popularity on Bonanza to get a record deal, and he recorded several albums of country-western and folk songs, which included both spoken word and singing. His biggest hit was Ringo, released in October 1964. One day we rode the mountain crest, and I went east and he went west. I took to law and wore a star, while he spread terror near and far. With lead and blood he gained such fame all through the west, they feared the name of Ringo. I'll apologize now for the earworm, but as you can imagine, the song reached number one in the United States Billboard charts on December 5th, 1964, remaining there for six weeks. It also hit number 21 on the Hot Country Singles Chart and number one in Canada on the RPM Top Singles Chart. Green also recorded a French-language version of the song. In 1963, he started a 10-year-long tradition of co-hosting the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on NBC alongside Betty White. And he also received the Order of Canada in 1969 and an honorary Doctor of Laws from Queen's University in 1971. And as for the show, while it's been off the air for 50 years, the legacy of Bonanza continues. In 2002, it was ranked number 43 on TV Guide's list of the 50 greatest television shows of all time. The years of doing his own stunts, riding horses, they took a toll on Green, who was by now 58 years old and dealing with back pain. It was so severe that it made it difficult to sit still in the makeup chair, and at night he couldn't sleep and suffered until he tried acupuncture. And while acupuncture has been practiced in the United States since the 1800s, it was during the 1970s that the general public became aware of the existence following President Richard Nixon's 1972 trip to China. Lauren told People Magazine in 1974, I got dressed, went home, and waited for the pain to return. It never did. With a new lease on life, without back pain, he looked for new acting opportunities. Lauren found a new role in the crime drama Griff, where he played a former Los Angeles police officer, Wade Griff Griffin, who becomes a private detective. But despite the name recognition of Lauren, the show was cancelled after only 13 episodes. And he would take the blame. He said, It is my fault. I'm not going to cop out and blame anyone else. I simply should have refused to do the first six shows. What went wrong? It was as simple as ABC. No, really. I have no hard feelings against anyone. It was just a matter of different philosophies. I wanted a series that was strong on characterization. The network wanted to do a puzzle show. It took me six episodes and a lot of quiet screaming to get my way. Lauren's familiar voice still appeared in living rooms across North America when he became the spokesperson of Alpo Beef Chunk's dog food. And despite the lack of success in television roles through much of the 1970s, Lorne, well, he didn't worry about money. Not only did he have the stopwatch patent, but Bonanza had made him a multi-millionaire, and he invested that money into real estate, making him a nice fortune. He also built a replica of the Ponderosa Ranch in Arizona, where he lived for the rest of his life. And always a man with a good sense of humor, 
His home included a staircase that led to absolutely nowhere. In 1977, he appeared once again on television, and this time as a villain. One of the few villainous roles of his career when he portrayed the first slaveholder of Kunta Kinte in the iconic miniseries Roots. And he wasn't done yet. A year later, in 1978, he took on his second most famous role, that of Commander Adama in Battlestar Galactica. Now, he was 63 years old, and although the show only lasted for one season, it became a cult favorite for decades, eventually inspiring a gritty reboot in the 2000s. In 1981, he starred in Code Red, a show about a fire department chief whose command included his children as firefighters. The show only lasted for 19 episodes, which was just fine with Lorne, who said, I compromised. It was the most unhappiest time I've ever had in the business. It was horrible. I hated getting up to go to work. I didn't believe any of the scripts. I didn't believe any of this could happen. You have to be careful about a series because you are not in control. And after working on that show, he turned to doing something that gave him full control. And that led to another iconic series for the legendary actor. In the 1980s, Lauren Green began to use his fame and energy to support wildlife and environmental issues. This led him to host and narrate the nature series Lauren Green's New Wilderness, a show that promoted environmental awareness. The show debuted on September 14, 1982, lasting for five seasons during which time it was the number one show in its time slot every single year, and was eventually syndicated to the United States and 23 foreign countries, eventually winning three Daytime Emmy Awards. More than 300 species flock here to this northern corner of Yugoslavia. No bird needs to go hungry in the marshlands called Kopatski Rit. So far, this little egret can still get by despite her broken wing. The fishing birds of Kopatski Rit have learned the advantages of working together. They swirl en masse just above the surface of the water, driving the fish into the shallows. The rest is as easy as bobbing for apples. In 1987, Lorne was awarded the Earl Grey Award for Lifetime Achievement at the Gemini Awards for his decades of work in television as one of Canada's most famous actors. And throughout his life, he served as a father figure for Canadian actors in Hollywood, and he always retained his Canadian citizenship, despite living in the United States for decades. He said, I feel close to Canada. Last year, they asked if I would come to Ottawa to be the Grand Marshal of the parade. Now who the heck wants to be the Grand Marshal of a parade, right? When it's seven below zero, riding in an open convertible. But I still went. In May 1987, it was announced that a TV movie called Bonanza The Next Generation was in pre-production, with a plan to begin filming in January 1988. Lauren was the only member of the original cast to agree to appear in the film. But it was not to be. On August 19, 1987, Lauren went through surgery for a perforated ulcer. After the surgery, he began to experience respiratory complications caused by the onset of pneumonia. By August 30th, he was breathing with help from a ventilator. On September 3rd, Lauren was responding well to treatment for the pneumonia, but his condition was still listed as serious. And on September 11th, 1987, Lauren Green died in Santa Monica, California. With him, when he died, was his second wife Nancy, their daughter, and his twins from his first marriage. 
Just prior to his death, his television son Michael Landon visited him. He said, He was Ben Cartwright to the end. He was ready with no complaints. The last time I saw him, he couldn't speak. I took his hand in mine and held it. He looked at me and then slowly started to arm wrestle like we used to, and he broke into a smile and nodded, and everything was okay. In May 2006, Lauren Green was one of the first four entertainers to be honoured by the Canada Post with a 51-cent postage stamp, and in 2015 he was inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame. Now that's the end of Lauren Green's story, but he had a major impact on Canada before he ever left the country for La La Land. In 1945, he founded the Lauren Green Academy of Radio Arts in Toronto. The goal of this academy was to train future broadcasters and actors. Alumni from the academy included journalists and actors who made their mark in Hollywood, including comedy icon Leslie Nielsen, James Doohan, who played Scotty on Star Trek, Fred Davis, who hosted Front Page Challenge on CBC for 38 years, and Billy Mae Richards, who voiced Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in various movies from 1964 to 1979. The school, unfortunately, wasn't financially successful and was closed in 1952. Lauren sold the building to recoup some of his losses. Nonetheless, in the seven years it operated, 381 students graduated and 90% of them found work in acting or broadcasting. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at Lauren Green. Next week, we're looking at the Ottawa Hull Fire of 1900. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, MeTV.com, Canada's Walk of Fame, Queen's University, Wikipedia, IMDb, Cowboys and Indians, Outsider, Montreal Star, Vancouver Sun, Edmonton Journal, Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Sioux Star, and the Calgary Herald. This show is researched, produced, and written by me, Craig Baird, with the help of Dila Velasquez. Audio production and design by Rosalind Kufour. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many for you to sink your teeth into. If you enjoy this podcast, then please check out my other podcasts, From John to Justin, Canada, A Yearly Journey, Pucks and Cups, and Canada's Great War. We love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com. Or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those in my show notes. Until next time, I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X.